wake up, wake up, From Jerusalem, Israel, this is From the Midwest to the Middle East, the podcast that explores everything new in U.S. and Israeli economy. Here's your host, Philip Stein. I'm really pleased to be having this podcast today. First of all, this episode is brought to you by Philip Stein and Associates, the largest U.S. CPA firm in Israel, providing U.S. tax services to Israelis, Americans, corporations, startups, and anyone else needing them. Hi, I'm very happy today to have Itai Sidon as my guest. Itai Sidon is co-founder and head of business development at Lytrix, an Israeli startup that hit the rare and coveted unicorn status this summer. For those of you who don't know, Lytrix is a leader in mobile creativity software. The company's products are Facetune and the Enlight suite of apps that empower anyone with a smartphone to retouch photos, videos, and more, which allow the user to easily create stunning visual content. The company currently employs more than 150 people who fall between Israel, New York City, and London. And in 2018, the company reached $50 million in revenue. Itai himself moved to New York City in 2013, which was the first year of Lightrix operations, and is the sole founder who is currently based outside of the Israeli headquarters. Welcome, Itai. Thank you, Philip. It's great to be here with you. So the term selfie was added to the Oxford Dictionary in 2013. Was it just a coincidence that you launched the company and your first product in that year? That's a, a great question. Um, I would say it's 50-50, okay? What, what I mean by that is, you know, when we, we, our first product was indeed Facetune, which is a selfie beautification product. You know, when we first wanted to bring very powerful creativity tools to mobile at the time in 2013, it was clear that mobile is uh, the next computational platform, but the technology that was on it for doing creativity was pretty, pretty basic. Uh, we asked ourselves where to start. And uh, the part of it that is not a coincidence is that people really care about people, right? And, and about the images of themselves and of those around them. That's how we, you know, started with, with the beautification space and with Facebook out of all of our products today, there are many more of them. You know, at the same, it's the same period of time where the, the phenomenon of the selfie is becoming much more um, prominent and, as you mentioned, is, uh, is added to the Oxford Dictionary. Okay, so that was a good confluence when you, you did it and picked that year. Can you tell us about how you and your fellow founders came up with the idea to create a product for the greater public? Yeah, you know, there's a bunch of different kind of uh, anecdotes on the origin stories. One that is often quoted is two of my co-founders, Ziv and Yaron, they're both, I'm the only one who's not a computer science, not a computer science PhD, the other four are. And uh, most of them were in the same lab together working on image processing technology. And it was very, very late uh, one night when they were working on, uh, you know, a submission with a deadline to, um, of, uh, of a paper to an academic conference in the field called Seagraph, uh, where Yaron, who was my original friend that uh, had me join the team, uh, told Ziv, who is, you know, today our CEO, you know, listen, if we were applying, if we were working this hard and applying this uh, kind of degree of technology to consumer markets we'd uh, we'd be very we could be very successful at this point and mm-hmm. not just uh, writing papers and not just writing papers uh, for uh, obscure academic publications and uh, you know the rest is history i've heard many venture capitalists say and i'm quoting now or paraphrasing you can't start a company based on an app how, how did you defy that 
quote-unquote conventional wisdom? Eh, look, in order to succeed in startups, you have to be contrarian and right. You can't just go with the flow and do what everybody believes in, right? Because then by definition, you're going to be kind of uh, swimming with the rest of the fish, and it's uh, not, not the place to get outlier results. I, I think it's a funny, I think it's kind of a funny statement, right? Because... Um, and, and, and make no mistake, I've faced, I, I faced similar arguments myself uh, multiple times over the years, especially as the person who had to kind of uh, interface with the investor community on our behalf being based in the U.S. There are many examples of extraordinarily successful consumer products that are first and foremost applications, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, whether, whether it's uh, Facebook, Snapchat, uh, Instagram, or, or WhatsApp, right? But, but more importantly... It's just a funny thing to say because what is an app? An app is just a way of packaging a certain amount of, uh, of technology, of software, of product into what is a, a native mobile product, right? You take the same, the same code and you adjust it. It could live on, on the web, right, or on a native, uh, it wouldn't be exactly the same code, but you can take a product and make it for mobile. You can make it for web. You can make it for desktop. You can make it for, ver- for various different platforms. Apps are just the, the the way that we package software for mobile devices, which is the, without a question, the dominant computational mm-hmm. platform of our, of our time. So I don't really, it's not it's not a statement that I ever okay. Uh, that I ever considered uh, too seriously. I, I think there's just a lot of guys or women sometimes sit at a bar. They say, oh, I've got this great idea for an app. And uh, and, and then some venture capitalist shoots it down if they get a meeting. <laughs> I, 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 I hear what you're saying. Now, you recently did a round valuing Lytrix at $1 billion. Mm-hmm. Did you and your team ever expect to become a unicorn so quickly? I would say yes without the word quickly. Is the way is, okay. is the way I would I would answer that. Listen, a year ago we did a, a sixty million dollar transaction led by Insight Ventures, valuing the company at about a third of that. You don't you don't do these transactions unless the company is on a certain traje- trajectory that can justify outgrowing these valuations relatively, you know, w- w- with a fair degree of uh, of confidence. Mind you, our journey has not been, you know, it took Snapchat, I think, like two years to get to a billion dollar valuation, which is uh, the, the benefits of having a network effects model. Ours, are, ours was a very a much longer journey, right? We've been doing the company That's for true. seven years, so it's not exactly... That's true. Right. Uh, overnight. Exactly. It's an, over, right. it's an overnight success that took seven years is the way we like to, <laughs> to phrase it, right? Did you always know that you would not be just a one product company yes that that's the thing that's the thing that we always you know in the, in the early days of the company when it was just the five of us we didn't have the same sort of sophisticated vocabulary not that our vocabulary is totally sophisticated today but it's been sharpened by many years of uh discussing what we do and uh debating it with the various constituencies. So we didn't think in terms of unbundling and suites of products. We, we didn't speak in those terms. But one thing that was always clear to us from the get-go is that if you look at the most successful tools companies in the world, which is, in, in essence, Lytrix is a tools company, right? It's a company that creates tools mm-hmm. that people use, unlike uh, a network like right. a Facebook or a Snapchat. And the iconic example of tools companies are probably Microsoft and Adobe, if you really mm-hmm. think about the companies that have now one one thing that these companies have in common and in general tool company companies do is they all build suites of products. It's almost never a single product that that leads to outside success. It's it's the 
ecosystem and the tie-ins that really and the leveraging of various assets you have as a company, whether it's the code base or the distribution channels or the relationships with the platform or, frankly, even the cost of capital um, in order to or cross-selling between the different tools you have, it just makes more sense for tools companies to have a suite. Mm -hmm. Now, speaking of that suite, many of your products have won not only awards, but were were some of the most popular apps, let's say, in the Apple Store. Do do you have a personal favorite? (laughs) I think I'm still partial to uh, where it all started with Facetune, but uh, from the newer kind of uh, suite of apps that we have been rolling out uh, predominantly since 2017, I, I travel a lot, as, uh, as you know, yes. and, I, and I like uh, hiking in nature and stuff. So QuickShot, which is our, uh, in light QuickShot, which is our kind of like a Lightroom with a camera application attached mm-hmm. to it. Is something that I that I find myself uh, using a lot when I'm uh, hiking in the Hebridean Islands in Scotland. Okay, I'll have to download that for my next uh, my next trip. You definitely should. Okay, <laughs> you mentioned before when you're talking about companies that have tools and and have a suite of products. The the word and you mentioned Adobe. And, and the word Photoshop has become a term that is used as a common verb. You know, it's become like a term like Kleenex. Mm-hmm. H- how do you compete against such a well-known brand? It's a fascinating uh, question. You know, I was having a discussion with a friend of mine who was from the industry yesterday just about kind of like where we sit compared with Adobe. I'll say this, right? You know, Ziv and I, Ziv is our, our co-founder and CEO. We had an interesting call recently with a very, very senior person who left Adobe, someone who was in charge of their different strategy aspects, etc. And one of the things that like we really learned and is becoming more crystallized over the years, in some aspects, Adobe's business and Lightrix are fundamentally different because Adobe, at its core, behaves more like a SaaS company than a consumer company. Mm-hmm. What I mean by this is if you think about the, the, the person who purchases a Photoshop uh, or a Premiere license, the vast majority of them use it to, to earn their living. That's true. Right? Or, like yes. it's, or actually, it could be a or it's a business. And, and the, everything is different in that sense, from the churn profile to the pricing you can command to the density of the feature set. It's, it's, a, it's a more professional user base by definition. Whereas what Lightrix really is, in, in some aspects, Lightrix is the Adobe of consumer. Mm-hmm. Right? We used to say it's the Adobe of mobile, but I almost think of it more like the Adobe of consumer. I see. And it's and, and it's a slightly it's a slightly different short profile, which leads to a slightly different financial profile of the company as a whole. They're not obviously don't get don't get me wrong, there are distinct, clear Venn diagrams between these companies and what they do. But there are also some very key differences that are maybe more more real and deep than uh, meets the eye at first glance. All right, let me move from the product or the products to, to the company itself. You, mm-hmm. You've built a very successful company with local Israeli talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, as your company has grown, which it has grown uh, considerably, do you find it hard to find the talent you need in Israel? It's a good question. Um, you know, so I'll give some updated numbers. Today we're almost 300 people. Wow. Um, and they've crossed uh, well well north of 100 million in revenue run rate. Mm. We're not saying exactly how much, but we're 
The company has grown significantly over the past year. So we now have offices, aside from in Jerusalem, we're opening up offices in, uh, in Germany, and we have an office in London, and we're all opening up another office in Haifa, in the north of Israel. But to date, the majority of the workforce, is, the vast majority, is, uh, is in Jerusalem, and the, the other sites are satellites with single-digit employee counts for now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I would say that starting a company in Jerusalem is uh, a phenomenal experience and actually something that I, I, I truly believe others, other entrepreneurs and other ecosystems can replicate in a way, and I'll explain what I mean by that. I don't think Electrix could have been founded in Silicon Valley in some ways. Uh, the talent would have been both inaccessible and expensive to the degree that it almost doesn't really matter. You know, if it's the price is less the question. You couldn't recruit the the same degree of world class technical t- and product talent as an early on as a bootstrap startup in one of these in one of these like uber competitive, no pun intended, ecosystems like the Valley. Mm-hmm. Whereas, whereas what Jerusalem had was a, a world-class university, not as, and that's not hyperbole. Like this is where Hebrew, uh, we're biased. We all went to school there, but <laughs> but it's yes. uh, it's where the school it's where the school ranks in international ranking. But it did, but what it did not have was a very developed employer ecosystem, right? So the, we're probably, I think, at this point, pretty surely the largest startup that exists in. Jerusalem, but we've actually been that way for quite a while. Yes, right, because it just doesn't—it doesn't have the same density of um, of uh, startups as other ecosystems, even in our west in Tel Aviv. And I, I think that so you know, it's kind of like what Uber did, the company did in Pittsburgh, where there's Carnegie Mellon and there's like a great university and not a lot of companies hiring around it. So they basically built the site around that university. You can do that as a company. You can also build a startup that way, right? So I wouldn't be surprised if, especially today, when in the way distribution of digital products is just like fundamentally different from the days of uh, when my aunt was an entrepreneur, I wouldn't be surprised if we'll see more stories of uh, like quiet giants getting established and built around tier one universities that are off the grid and tier two or three uh, geos from a venture capital perspective, right? Whether it's in, I don't know, somewhere in Europe that is not one of the hot, not Berlin or one of these places, right? But like has a great university somewhere in uh you know, uh, rural uh, England or uh, or Germany. It's something I can see happening more. It's interesting because, as you mentioned, it you picked Hebrew. You you're in the Givat Ram campus. I, I I haven't been there to the offices, but I my understanding is you're in an area that was. Uh, I believe my wife many years ago was a lived there in uh, something called Shikone Elef. It was called. Yep. Uh, and it's interesting to me that the university, as you've grown has been able to accommodate your growth. Were you surprised by that? Or did you think, well, we'll start here, and once we grow, we'll have outgrown uh, the, these little uh, asbestonim, as my wife used to call them, and uh, <laughs> you'll, you'll have to move to bigger quarters? So, first of all, it's, uh, it, it's not okay that I, that I haven't brought you to visit yet, and you're invited when I'm, okay. when I'm, when I'm down there in a, in a couple okay. of weeks. Uh, you're right that it used to be uh, basically dorms, but they are completely, if you come and you see it, the company looks like a botanical garden mm. that one of my co-founders was, uh, you know, kind of like, uh, it's his hobby project. Uh, so it's a very beautiful space. It's very quiet. We have 
We built our own waterfalls and all sorts of stuff like that over there. Look, the university has been <clears throat> an amazing partner in the building of light tricks. And I think if you look at a place like Stanford that I think, uh, you know, very few cities in the world would mind having a Stanford of their own. Correct. Right? It's something correct. that we can, uh, we can all learn from and aspire to. Then university and um, academia and industry have really gone hand-in-hand in in that institution for decades now. Uh, There are countless stories about... There's jokes over there that you can't get tenure in the computer science faculty if you haven't had an exit, right? I mean, (laughs) now, I I think for for Hebrew University of Jerusalem uh, and for the city itself, frankly... It's a uh, it's a very synergetic kind of situation, right? It used to be when I graduated from uh, from Hebrew U almost a decade ago. Everybody in our class would always just kind of uproot and go to uh, the center of Israel to Tel Aviv because that's where all the great, you know, especially the frankly the ambitious people because that's mm-hmm. where a lot of the better jobs were. Right. So if we can create more. Uh, you know, now that there's a unicorn in the backyard of uh, right, Hebrew, right, right, right. Uh, it's uh, you, you don't you don't need to go to Tel Aviv. Right, you can get right. much more exciting jobs where you where you've already been. And, for. and we know the we- the weather is better in Jerusalem. That is so definitely that, is. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to sum up just by, by asking you a more personal question. When you're not working at Lightrix or on an airplane, which you did refer to before, <laughs> what do you do for fun? Well, I picked up a, a weird hobby three years ago called Scotland. <laughs> so, okay. I really enjoy um, hiking and being off the grid in these like remote places. And uh, Scotland has a bunch of what's known as the Abridian Islands. So I'm actually, I've been trying to kind of get away for at least uh, a few days or a week every summer for the past three years to just uh, unplug and be without the phone for a few days and everything. And it's, uh, I highly recommend it to anybody who enjoys uh, that kind of experience. It's very remote. Feeling. And to download Quick Shop. So exactly. Pictures. Okay. <laughs> Thank I you. put in a plug for you. Okay, so if, if people want to know more about Light Tricks. Uh, they can always, you know, there's our website, www.lighttricks.com, and uh you can always reach out via Twitter or LinkedIn, one of these platforms. It's 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 very hard to hide these days. So, That's true. Uh, that is true. <laughs> All right. Well, Itai, you should continue to have success, and Lightrix, uh, you know, shouldn't outgrow its backyard that it's uh, growing uh, in the middle of Jerusalem. And uh, we look forward to hearing good things about uh, you and Lightrix. Thank you for having me. My us. pleasure. Be well. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. Feel free to visit us at www.pstein.com or look for Philip Stein and Associates on Facebook and LinkedIn. 